everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, we are doing a very thorough deep dive into scalp health. While scalp health is becoming a much larger portion of the beauty category, it is still a tricky area for most consumers and even beauty lovers. There are many variables that affect how you care for your own scalp. To start, there is the skin itself, which can be influenced by your scalp's oil production, flakes and dryness, if you have any skin conditions like eczema or psoriasis, I mean, you name it. Then there's your hair, which we know there are many different hair types out there that all need very different treatments and products. And the problem is sometimes the things that you need to do for your scalp will be very different than how your hair needs to be treated. But because they are a part of the same area, people tend to treat them as one in the same. So it is understandable that scalp care seems to be this super, super complicated topic for the average person, but tracheologist and hairstylist Bridget Hill is on a mission to uncomplicate it. She is a editorial hairstylist, a colorist, and certified tracheologist, and she is an incredible resource on all things scalp care, which is her true passion. Without further ado, Bridget, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alex. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. I think scalp health is so interesting, and it's also something that I know that I probably need to be doing a little bit better for my own. So I will be taking fastidious notes during this conversation so I can start treating my own better and I am sure a lot of people feel similarly, so we have a lot to learn and a lot to get into. But before we talk about the scalp, I would love to get to know you a little bit better and then, you know, let our listeners get to know you a little bit better as well. What is your background and how did you end up in the beauty industry? So for sure. I mean, I have to admit my first job ever at 14 was in the beauty salon. I mean, looking back wow. at my life now, isn't that funny? I'm just starting to reflect, right? I'm 47. Yeah. So I'm just starting to reflect like, oh my gosh, that was like my first job ever. So I'd always just had a natural knack for makeup, style, fashion. I was obsessed with like bizarre magazines. You know, I had a very aesthetic Richard Avedon. Liz Tilberis. I was that magazine girl in high school. So my fascination with visual and aesthetic, I always wanted to know like who were the the hairdressers and who were the makeup artists. Long story short, that was always a part of me through college. Um, I was kind of like the hair and beauty girl. I was a, a television major. So I got to be around creative people and whenever they needed you know, makeup, fashion, I was always that girl. And I was really to take an honest look at my life. So I've always been of it. I don't think I was ever encouraged to pursue it as a career. You know, I think everyone thinks like a hairdresser, even though that's such an intimate part of our lives, right? I don't think anyone's parents are like, oh, this is what I want to do after college. But I went on my own journey with my family, went to a Veda Institute, and I knew that I wanted to understand the holistic aspect to hair, but I also wanted to be able to elevate the idea and concepts of fashion and beauty. Like I had this creative mind. I wasn't so much 
into the health as much as I respected the process of like just feeling good, the feeling of beauty, if that makes any sense. It does. And here I am, you know, um, 24 years later, I had a career in New York and the editorial coloring side, worked in some um, major amazing um, campaigns with fabulous stylists and amazing teams, you know, back in fashion week in the 90s when we were doing like BH1 fashion. I was had the fortunate experiences to be a part of that very early in my career. And after working with models and like pristine, you know, hairstylists that as a colorist, you know, the quality of the hair is what's going to make you, your work stand out. And I took that very seriously. So just understanding hair health, hair treatment. At that time, I didn't really understand hair as a fabric, but because my drive to keep hair very healthy was always sustaining me, it was a natural progression for me. I also, it's personal because I suffer with an autoimmune disease that causes scalp alopecias. It's called central centrifugal cyclotricial alopecia. It affects primarily women of African descent. So all these things were just like coming into alignment in my life and career. And just it's a natural progression for me. It's not like I switched into one or the other. At this point, I don't know what I'm kind of evolving into, but I'm excited to see it. And it's just feeding off of each experience, each question, each challenge that I faced. Trichology is just this next place where I live, but I bring everything with me into my practice, into how I address hair and see hair. Yeah. I obviously, as somebody who is in the beauty industry, I know trichologists, you know, that I use for sources that I respect so much, who who understand so much about hair and scalp health, and it just blows my mind. But I don't think it's necessarily something that, you know, more of the average person might even understand what it is. So can you actually just tell us what it is and how do you become one just so people can kind of understand this more niche side of hair care or not niche, but more health forward career path in hair care? Absolutely. I, I mean, first and foremost, I think as we're discussing this in more depth, it's it would behoove me not to say that we have to give homage that trichology is something that exists in the rest of the globe in, in a much intense, a more respected way than here in the States. So we really can't or I can't like take credit. It is happening. We're just behind. And and I think the deeper questioning and for that is like as we explore more and learn more. But trichology is basically it's a paramedical science. And I, and I always stress paramedical because its foundation is based in working alongside. So trichologists are by no means the in all be all to scalp and hair. It's paramedical. So our relationships coexist with your doctors your uh, dermatologist, your endocrinologist. It's an alongside practice that studies scalp and hair abnormalities. And we focus in on diseases that we recognize that may have to go into a, a medical care or prescriptive care. Sometimes it's allergies. Sometimes it's deeper. It's health issues that you may want to, or, or initial triggers that could be underlining hormonal issues. So it's having a a, a general understanding of being able to view the scalp based on the underlying root causes. We're basically like these inspector gadgets, right? You know, we ask all these questions. We're looking at the hair fiber. We start and what you recognize is those of us that are ultimately 
always increase our knowledge of all those underlying root causes, they're becoming more and more prominent. So a trichologist can kind of pick up on those triggers in their early stages. If there are things that are you can just need to rule out, sometimes it's about not doing anything at all. Sometimes you're overdoing things. It's not always a massive issue. And I think people have to recognize that too. Trichologists are not just here to solve some, this is my last resort. In fact, you want to get to what the trichologist before you get to that last resort phase. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But, but basically, we are paramedical science that are trained to understand disease, hair, scalp conditions, and offer solutions and an action plan to help people get to those root underlying factors and those causes that may be causing their scalp or scalp issues, hair loss issues, or other just hair fiber concerns. Yeah. I know that you said your career has just been this, you know, really beauty forward progression where, you know, one one part of your career folded into the next and and that led you to where you are now focusing on scalp health. But I am curious, you know, you were a stylist and a colorist. At what point did you decide that you wanted to go in in this direction and become a tracheologist? Because, you know, I just I, was there a spark? Was there something that a part of your journey or was it was it just something that you always wanted to do? I'm just, you know, I'm so curious. Yeah, I think it was just I needed more knowledge. Like I just did not know how to get more get answers. So that was that's probably that's the honest answer. And at first I kind of dabbled in it. Like I started with just the associate. Right. It's intense. And for the way that I knew. I dive, like, wanted to dive into things. I, also, if I'm honest, I did know that I, when I went into beauty, I remember having this thought in my head, like, ooh, I just want to like make things and discover things. And like, even though I was in beauty, I knew that there's something about me that is very kind of innovative, entrepreneurial, but I don't really knew I had the verbiage for that at the time. And like, I didn't know really what I was being entrepreneurial about, but I had this natural curiosity. So trichology to me is that next thing because how many more studies of hair and also answers about just the various different types of hair textures. And I have a very diverse clientele, you know, me being a black woman in my, my like 65 to 70% of my business are women who are not genetically like me, right? So I have this experience of having this rich understanding of my own needs and then being able to apply some things that, are not necessarily geared towards, say, using oils for pre-treatments. It's something that we've done forever. That's also things done culturally all over the globe. Why aren't we integrating some of these things into hair services? So I did a lot of that early on, not really understanding what I was doing, but just felt like it made sense to kind of desegregate product use because I felt like I had things that were just you know, driven to my scalp and hair needs, but my clients could use them. It made my work prettier. I was creating like treatment. So I had always been kind of being my own little scientist. So I guess that part for me is where it was never the disconnect. It was like, okay, I need more information now. Why is this scalp thing happening? And then with my own journey, I was like, am I going to have to get cortisone shots for the rest of my life when I have like these ball patches? So it was genuinely curiosity that led me to becoming a trichologist. What is your beauty philosophy? I believe that beauty should become interventive. And, and what I mean by that is, I think we have to connect beauty to our bodies. I, I'm very much believe, you know, you heal the body and beauty will follow. 
And like, we need products, we need tools, right? We need the right sources to kind of help balance and just uh, cleanse and nurture and support just our existing bodies. They're these intelligent machines, but I think we need to learn how to work with them more with beauty. So when I say interventive, I think it's being more thoughtful about, you know, what you have going on in your life or what lifestyle habits may have changed, what may have changed in your life and adjusting your your beauty and your scalp and your hair regimens based on that versus just like, I need to shampoo, condition, do a mask. So it requires, I think, a little bit more of what I call like scalp connection or scalp awareness. And I think that is what's starting to happen for all of us. And, you know, the pandemic, as much as it was such a, it has been, I mean, we, life will never be the same, right? But we have to start to look for those. For me, I have to start looking for those silver linings. And I think that's why scalp is so prominent right now, because we're making connections with ourselves, right, that we never really took the time to do before. So I think that is a very uh, beautiful spark for the future of beauty. I love that you have such a appreciation for the connection between health and beauty. That is something that we obviously hold very dear on this podcast and also at Mind Body Green. That is such a core part of our beauty philosophy. And just a follow-up question, because I'm I'm curious about your point of view, is you know, was that something that you always just inherently saw, or was that something that you came to understand over time? I'm just always so curious about how people come to this this realization because you know I think we all have our own journeys to to come to this point it's my essence and I think at yeah. 47 I'm just really owning that it's yeah really who I am yeah so you know let's get into the meat of the episode let's talk yes. about the scalp yes and I'm I so think- glad you said that about like clean you know about you know health because yeah. Health is the ultimate communicator of health. Mm. Hair is the ultimate communicator of health. And I think that is what makes it so natural for me to be something that I get to talk about and just look, I have so much learning to do. I really do. And and because it's now such this um interesting space, people are interested. Their dollars being upon research. Like it's so much cool things, so many cool things happening. But the biggest thing we're never going to get around is you cannot avoid health when you talk about scalp. And it's going to make us not longer be able to avoid health when we're talking about hair. So I think this is so exciting. And this is the perfect space to be having this conversation. Well, I am so excited. I I have so, I have so many questions for you. But <laughs> I think the first one is, you know, let's just kind of lay the groundwork. This is a very basic question, but it's, I think it's one that can hopefully, you know, kick us off into this is why is it so important to pay attention to the scalp? Great, simple question. So on our scalp, our hair fibers, which when I talk about hair, when we say hair, I'm always going to refer to that as hair fibers. I think also there's a responsibility to start kind of getting our language around like scalp and hair, right? So hair fibers are an extension of the scalp literally there's this is not even this is a literal like function that your hair is built and being developed in a hair follicle in that sits inside of your scalp at the papilla where all of the 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 cells all of the nutrients are being put together to go through a process of keratinization which we know that our hair is keratin that's so we're all obsessed with every product that says keratin because our hair is primarily the, these different forms of keratin. 
it starts inside the scalp in that hair follicle. So your hair is an extension of the scalp, point blank period. Your scalp is what is sourcing, nourishing, hosting. That is where your hair begins. So I don't think that can be any more like direct, right? It is. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I I think a lot of people probably don't take care of their scalp as much as they should. I I hate to say it, but I think sometimes I probably fall into that camp as well. And I, I think I have to ask, what are some of the consequences of not taking care of your scalp properly? You know, what can so, happen if you neglect it? Exactly. And I think this is something where I struggle when we talk about like, I know, preventative and just overall wellness and well-being, because it is true. It is fact that healthy people, right, which is in like, I mean, I'm not putting myself in that category, but let's say someone that lives a very holistic, healthy lifestyle, right, who they're mental, spiritual, they're eating, they're like, they just try to keep their bodies free from inflammation. They live a very kind of homostasis life. They may never have to think about their scalp and skin, right? That does exist. But that's not the majority of the world. <laughs> so I don't want people to think, oh, here's beauty again. Now we have to think about this. No, it's just that the reality is we are humans. We have very human lives. And as a result, we deteriorate and we, our bodies have to fight a lot of, it does a lot of work. It does a lot of fighting inflammation. Hair is a- uh, I, I just have to pause and say, I love what you just said so much because that's actually, you. I feel like you- I have been thinking about this concept for so long where I'm like, in an ultimate world, we wouldn't need all of these things that we're supposed to be doing. But unfortunately, we just, we live these lives. And I just, yeah, oh, I love what you just said. I feel like I've like, been thinking about this so much lately. Yeah, it's like, we are human. When are we going to be ease up? And like, I'm never gonna, I think for me, it was getting, I love beauty, right? I love the the, the creative process. I love nurturing and I love the ritual of it. I don't want to feel guilty for that. Like, I don't, I'm tired of feeling guilty for that. Yeah. I yeah. want to smell something nice. So for me, it is about, I don't, these are all just beautiful tools that are helping me respect this body that I'm in. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel guilty about that. I'm going to no. enjoy that process and enjoy the discovery. Yeah. I, you, I, you, I threw us off track, but I just, I thought that was so, <laughs> I loved that point. Okay, so let's go back to what are the consequences of not okay, taking care so, of when we, So when we do not, when we live as humans and we throw those balances off, hair is a non-essential tissue, meaning that the body does not need hair to survive, right? So your body is going to find ways to heal. It is a magnificent healing machine, but the majority of us have things that are thrown off because we are human. So we have to kind of compensate and try to keep things as balanced. And, and I see scalp care as a way of balancing as you need to be because the other thing we do obsessively with our scalp and our hair is that we use over products. We use high intense heat. Think about this external shell and all that we put through, especially our hair. And we've been so conditioned to treat our scalp, the skin, which we don't even think about, right? I love to go into like scalp connections as we go deeper in the conversation, but scalp, which we don't think about, right? We, lose, we use shampoo because we're thinking about how our hair is going to aesthetically perform. We're not even really cleansing our hair for some reason, except to, we don't want it hygienic or some aesthetically performance, or it's going to look greasy or dirty, or I want it to smell good. Hair is not your body, <laughs> like hair is a fabric, it's a fiber. So 
the psychology of the way we are even treating our scalp and hair is like it's our bodies and we need to think more of that skin connection, which is why that whole skinification terminology, I think, is essential. And it is it's I know it feels like people are getting sold to, but just let's like really think about that for a minute. If you're really thinking about how you do your skin, you'd be really underusing a lot of products on your scalp and hair because you'd revisit, right, your routines differently. We treat our scalp and hair like we're getting in the showers, like after we've worked out and like getting in our, in our underarms or something. And we've got to break that connection. So scalp gives us the opportunity to do that. When you throw that microbiome, if you're not thinking about your scalp in the same way like you do your skin, now just imagine what the extension is. We already said our hair fibers are an extension. Imagine the kind of harsh reality you're putting mm -hmm. it through. If the hair was an extension of the scalp, you can only imagine that the scalp is being impacted to some degree too. Yeah, You can't ignore it. It's just that we've never really been taught to think about it because A, people didn't believe people cared. B, no one, I've, I remember this really heavy in the industry when I was all really promoting just healthy hair and healthy scalp. Nobody wants to talk about healthy scalp and hair. I get so many questions about hair growth. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are experiencing either hair loss or just increased shedding. I, you know, I, I think that there are even surveys and reports that after the pandemic, you know, a lot of people did experience increased shedding, perhaps from stress, perhaps from getting sick themselves. So, you know, I do think that it is on a lot of people's mind. And I don't think you can talk about hair growth without talking about the scalp, right? Absolutely. And I think what you're seeing also is a health thing, which is the pandemic. Yes, our whole lives, our bodies went into extreme shock. There's not one human around the globe, right, that wasn't impacted. So when we're talking about, again, let's remember that hair is a non-essential tissue. The formation of hair is polygenic. It's multifaceted. It's based off of genetics. It's based off of your lifestyle. It's based off of your diet, the impacts of your hormones. And these all can be multiple triggers that have a domino effect on the other. It is such a complicated organ, and that is why it has taken so much time to really get the science community and all these communities around to really investigate and try to do some scientific research because it's complicated. You have over 100,000 hair follicles on the scalp, and each one of them can have a different D DNA, mRNA, right? So it's all this complicated science that I'm not the one to the expert on, but me digesting this to put it kind of in layman's term or like, why can't beauty understand this? Like, I get it. So it allows me to be empathetic to try to, I want to help bridge that gap. That's kind of what I, my, my version of trichology, not only with the healing and the understanding, but having the dialogue so we can digest it, not like voodoo, but like, just think about it, you know, what, and, and to make the changes because the bot, you see the responses. I think that's the more, more beautiful conversation as we get through is if you make these slight changes, you really are encouraging the body kind of to heal and do its thing. And it's pretty fascinating to watch that or to experience yeah. that and experience the result of that. Yeah. You know, I definitely have some questions about what sort of things we do need to be doing. But I think before I get to that section, I do want to ask what, you know, what are the common issues that people come to you with? Is it majority hair loss? Are there other things that people are experiencing? You know, I'm just, I'm curious about what's happening with the state of scalp and hair right now. 
Yes, for sure. So of course the pandemic you hit and, and practice was so odd, right? Because we, we did, weren't seeing clients. So that is how I even developed my root cause scalp analysis platform was that people were experiencing hair loss. I had clients that I'd started treating and they, you know, they couldn't come in for the in salon treatment. So just putting together packages to sustain clients that were already on regimens while we were going through the pandemic. And what primarily everyone saw was an increase in what we call telogen effluvium, which that's like that, that hair shedding. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, in the shower, they saw more hair coming out or they felt like there were trails, they'd be in the car. So that is when the hair follicle and the hair growth cycle is just all over the place. An increase in epinephrine, an increase in cortisol, any of those things can trigger that. Outside of that, people's dietary habits were changing. People weren't getting sun. So you have all of those underlying factors that we know for a fact in order to be able to control anything with scalp, hair, a loss, or any hair scalp diseases, you have to address the blood, the cell, and the tissue, right? So at these moments, it's like if anything gets impacted nutritionally, hormonally, you even mood med mood altering medications, just your body can trigger things that we just can't explain. And that's what I think makes people get kind of uh, discouraged about it. However, there are things that we do know you can impact and we do know can have counteractive um, impact onto minimizing some of those androgens or those not so great hormones that we, you know, that can get in the way of hair growth and hair cycles. We know how certain diets like reducing yeast can help minimize conditions like dandruff, psoriasis. We know a combination of pre-scalp. There are enough natural things that we, science, not, not anecdotally anymore, even some of the supplements, you know, there's clinical studies. So we are getting more information, but it will always require a multifaceted approach. So from the scalp psoriasis, you saw an increase in just scalp issues, scalp microbiomes being thrown off. Your body is covered in trillions of bugs and bacteria and live organisms known as the skin microbiome. We have talked about it plenty here. We've even done entire episodes on it. So if you are a regular listener, I am sure you are acquainted with the term. What we talk less about are the eco niches on the body. See, the skin microbiome is not a monolith and it shouldn't be thought of as such. The environment of your face will have much different bacterial makeup than your armpits, your feet, your groin, and of course, the scalp. Now there are overlaps in these areas, so good bacteria tend to be good across the board while pathogenic bacteria tend to be not so good no matter where they are. However, we know in some econiches, there are types of bacteria that overgrow easier than others. For example, there is an enzyme in a bacteria that loves to live in sweatier areas like your armpits. And well, that enzyme is what causes body odor. So that is why the armpits are much more prone to BO versus other parts of the body. Or there is also fungi that grows easier on your feet and your toes, which is what leads to athlete's foot. Additionally, there is also acne causing bacteria that is more prone to live on the face and on the back and chest and shoulders. Now for the scalp, there is fungus that can cause dandruff that is more likely to thrive around the hair follicles. So this is why you need to treat all areas uniquely. 
a lot of that is just improper cleansing, over cleansing, under cleansing, cleansing with the improper products. A lot of what I see that when it comes to the hair shedding is nutritional. People are deficient in, in, in vitamin D. Uh, a lot of times uh, they don't even recognize they're, they just became a vegetarian or intense stressful situations. Those are just things that your body is going to respond. And um, also being heard. I think that's another thing that I see a lot of, a lot of people not feeling as though their doctors or dermatologists take them seriously and being prescribed just medications or some quick fix solution. And also misdiagnosis or not going a step further. A lot of times I do see clients that have, are on the right track, but you've got to dig a little bit deeper because they want that instant gratification, that instant solution. And you're never going to get that with scalp. You're yeah. never going to get an instant gratification solution with scalp. And that's just on for now. We're not there yet. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's all obviously like your answer really did illuminate how how complicated some of these issues can be to figure out what exactly is happening. And oftentimes it's probably a combination of a lot of different factors. So I I can imagine that because it is a complicated issue, it does make caring for your scalp also complicated or, you know, like I, cause I want to ask what are the basics of scalp care, but I'm afraid that that's actually a complicated question to ask. No, is it's it? not. I love that you okay. asked that. Yes. Because it can be so simplistic. It is basically proper cleansing, right? So knowing really the frequency of what your shampoo, what your hair cleansing needs. And it's, I'm saying like, if you start we start early, right? Let's start with our, our kids, not over shampooing their hair, making those kind of connections because their scalps are, their, the scalp is in the body is designed to heal and do what it needs to do. We don't have to over get involved, but let's try to nurture that. For our age group or people or my age group, should I say I'm aging myself or the most people I would say in your 20s, start just pre-scalp um, shampoo treatment. And that's just like really getting, um, using oils or masks. Again, those things on the market, I think, are some genius products that are being produced. That's what I mean by tools. You know, this is a space that you didn't have a lot of options. I'm not just saying throw something out there. But you want to look for, understand your own scalp conditions and needs. Do you feel dry? Do you feel greasy? Do you feel oily? Make those scalp connections that you, you know just understand like how you see your scalp. Do you find you shampoo so frequently? You probably more than likely have an oily scalp. So before you get into triggering any underlying causes that cause, you know, inflammation or hair shedding, look for a pre-scalp, a pre-shampoo scalp treatment that is formulated to help reduce oiliness. You know, use that, nurture that scalp because you want to give it the cleanse, the, you want it to have the right microbial makeup of the right balance of all of the fungi and bacteria. You don't want to deprive it, but you want to make sure that the healthy ones stay and the bad ones remove. You also want to make sure you're removing any reducing inflammation. So there are products out there that have a great basic botanical or mineral makeup that do those types of things beautifully. Pre-shampoo scalp treatments to me is a way of cleansing and nurturing the scalp. And then whatever cleanser, meaning a, a shampoo-based, detergent-based cleanser on the hair fiber, you're allowing the hair fiber to be cleansed, the scalp to produce, have the oil removed, but without stripping it. You've really got to nurture those microbiomes. I'm a huge fan of integrating some of those hyaluronic acid properties onto the scalp 
just like we do our skin. Again, there's some real great science behind these things. So I think those simple things are like, well, you don't have, it doesn't have to be complicated. Shampoo your hair properly. Learn how, learn ex and what types of cleansers your hair needs. You know, you may not need a detergent base or shampoo cleanser every time you cleanse. There's some people that can get away with just rinsing their scalps and maybe using some of these other scalp rinses. Another great thing on the market that I think is, again, as needed, can be really great to helping to maintain overall scalp health, which is going to reduce the chances of those other hair loss issues, those active dandruff issues. The earlier you start to make connection, the more you are in control over your scalp because you're also in control of your health and you know how to be interventive about how you create your hair regimen. Like that's how I see the perfect world. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think your point about making those scalp connections is so important because I oftentimes get a lot of questions. Like one of the most common questions that I feel like I get is how often should I really be shampooing? And it's like, there's no answer that I can give because it is so individualized, right? Yes. And we kind okay. of like, why can't we have that conversation? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like how do people, how do people find their right balance? Is it just guess and test? Is it just listening to their scalp every day that they're like, okay, my hair is, you know, I do need to wash it today for whatever reason. I mean, how do you tell people to go on this journey? Oh, this is such a great question. And I'm, and I'm glad you're asking because I think I've been thinking about it a lot. So I'm hoping I come across like very clear and more simplistic. Okay. So the first thing is understanding, you know, what your real lifestyle is. And I'm saying like, you have to, we have to start thinking about our scalp and our, our routines. Like, do you know you're going to pull your hair up at least one day a week? Do you know you need a blowout? You have, you have meetings or just start thinking about what your week really looks like. And you have to start to create hair thoughts if you really want that. This is like, again, for that person who really wants to have the healthiest head of hair, want to know exactly what their shampoo routine, you have to think about not only what you want, your how you want your hair to aesthetically perform when it's down or, you know, when it's healthy and bouncy, if you have a look, you need like a look to look great, a look to be like slick back and a look to be like, I'm letting my, treating my hair. So you have to think about how you can aesthetically present yourself. And that is how you should be then shaping your scalp and your shampoo routines. On the days that you really can be like, I don't care how I present myself, you know that's a treatment day, right? You know that's a scalp day. That's, that's a day you can put in your mask on your hair. You can use it to, or like if you do like a hot yoga practice or some type of, use those moments to incorporate the ritual of hair. So I love this tip about using a hair mask or a pre-shampoo treatment in a hot yoga class. This is actually something that I do for myself and I don't just do it in yoga. I actually do this in other workout classes. So yes, I have been known to slather on a hair mask or a really rich oil before going into a workout class. I find that the key for myself is to find a lighter hair mask or an oil that blends into the hair easy. So, you know, definitely skip those really goopy hair masks. I definitely like ones that kind of slick onto the hair and go on clear. And then I just, you know, pull my hair back into a bun. And honestly, it just looks like I may have skipped a wash day and my hair is just a little on the greasy side. 
Now, I do have friends with thin and fine hair who are totally amazed that I can get away with this and have told me that there is no way they would ever try it. But if you have dry and porous hair that tends to soak in products, I honestly find that this tip is pretty effortless and not really that noticeable. Like I said, it is obviously dependent on hair type, but if you think you can get away with it, I definitely recommend it. It is definitely an easy way to multitask. It doesn't have to be like make those connections. So that is how I hope people will start to just, let's think about just your, your washing routine based on that. You know, okay, I have to shampoo this day because I'm going to make this my treatment day. All my pre-shampoo treatments, my pre-hair fiber treatments. I'll do a beautiful shampoo, get a blowout. The next thing to do is how, what can you do for that blowout to elongate that aesthetic look in its healthiest manner? I'm not opposed to certain dry shampoos. Are you sleeping on satin, pin, satin pillowcases? You know, there's all, for different types of hair textures, there's so many solutions. So you've got to think about a ritual that works for your lifestyle. Yeah, because, you know, I do think the lifestyle component is such an important factor that we don't necessarily always, it's not the first to come to mind. Like, I think the first to come to mind is people are like, oh, well, I'll just use like, XYZ product, but you know, it's like if you get a blowout and then you book yourself like a hit class the next day, you know, it's <laughs> you you have to think about these things. Like I can't tell you how many times I've like booked myself a blowout and then, you know, I, I go to a cycling class. I'm like, well, that was all for John. Like <laughs> that is like you hate that, right? But yes. Yeah, so you do have to think about these things. Yeah, is, you know, how do yeah. all of these fit into my day to day, and what is the smartest way for me to do it? And that there are tools on the market that you can incorporate. Cleansing the scalp does not always mean using a detergent based cleanser, and I we've got to get that. You remember, some people will require that. For if you have someone that is just again when you and also when you have medical conditions like a dandruff or psoriasis or eczema, you never get rid of those. That's, they just can be managed. Once those things trigger, you're always managing it. So it's important for these types of scalp conditions that have really strong options other than detergent-based shampoos. They have to have their lifestyle um, changes in terms of how they, you know, their diets, they can't have a lot of yeast. They, things they have to really try to put, make a lot of connections to things that reduce that overproduction of yeast on the scalp that causes these scalp conditions. So sometimes they do have to think about if they have, for example, a hair texture like mine, a black woman with dry, curly, frizzy hair, I can't shampoo my scalp that frequently. It would destroy my scalp. I mean, my hair fiber, even though my scalp would need it. So I have to find other options of how to respect the cleansing that my scalp requires because of my medical condition, but at the same time, respect the integrity of my curls and my hair texture so it doesn't um, become dried out or I lose the beauty of the shape of my curl. That's where that marriage of trichology and beauty are so, I equally have that. I'm passionate yeah. about solving those things, you know, and that's try to take that part of the guessing game out of the consumer. And I think that's, where I also am enjoying this platform when we talk about scalp, because you have to disconnect your hair fiber from the actual scalp, because yeah. the one thing that could be great for your scalp could be awful for your hair and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, that is a challenging balance, right? Because yes. 
you know, obviously if you're in the shower shampooing your scalp, it's some of it's going to get on the hair, you know. <laughs> is there a solution to this? Obviously, you know, you mentioned pre-shampoo treatments, which I obviously know do help significantly. Like, how do you encourage people to find that balance? Yes. So when you have curly or dry or frizzy hair, the, the other step is you want to pre-treat the hair always dry with either some type of nourishing oil or even a, your conditioner. You want to always just put moisture into that hair. Think of it like a sponge before you get into the shower. That makes a, that's a game changer for uh, protecting the hair fiber. The other thing I like to suggest is transferring a shampoo into a bottle with an applicator nozzle so that you're putting the shampoo directly onto the scalp. There's a really good trick for the trade. And I also like for clients to see shampooing as a ritual. So I like for the shampoo to be applied to the hair dry outside of the shower in an applicator bottle. Ideally, after you've let your pre-scalp, pre-shampoo scalp treatment sit, your hair fibers have a mask on it, you take that applicator bottle and you apply the shampoo directly onto the scalp and massage it in and just kind of let it chill out for a minute. Then you and go then you get the it wet? shower and you shampoo. That is what a shampoo, and it should not be, because it's a ritual, that step should not happen every day. Right? Mm. That's really what a true shampoo should be like. What makes it different when you apply it on the hair outside of the shower? I mean, I, I've, I've never heard of this tip before, so I, I'm, I'm so curious. So this is the number one reason of skin barrier microbiome disruption is because improper shampooing. The majority of people, when you go shampoo their hair, they're only shampooing the root of that hair fiber. Very rarely do people genuinely do a true cleansing of the scalp. You have to be able to get to that base root. You think about it, they wet, they put hair shampoo in their palm. Just the whole way that we're taught to cleanse our hair is not really cleansing the hair. That is why, and you ask any stylist, in the sh anyone who's worked in the shampoo bowl, how many people really just never have cleansed? The scalps are disgusting. Even the ones that come in sometimes and, you know, I mean, that's aggressive, but the scalps could be better. And now that I really know scalp, I can, even without even magnifying it. You see it. It's just because we're not taught, but it's no one to blame. We're not taught to focus on the scalp. We focus on the hair. Sure. This so application, with, it gets the actual detergent to the base yeah. is where we want that stimulation. We want that debris pulled up off the hair fiber. So do you recommend when people are shampooing their hair to like, you know, go in aggressively with their fingers? I mean, is there like a certain amount of pressure that people should be applying? Does that play a factor into this? So it's very individual, right? Some people have very sensitive scalps. Some people have, again, the genetic makeup of your scalp and the layers of your scalp are all going to be individual. Some are more sensitive. Some want the, how the skull is shaped, right? What feels good to them. But get to know that. There are even scalp massage brushes. It's so individual. I think whatever, when it comes to a massaging technique of just cleansing, using a, your shampoo, or cleanse, using, cleansing, using a cleansing-based shampoo with a massage technique. It's whatever feels great to you, but some type of stimulation is essential okay. and it's going to be beneficial. Okay. I want to ask what sort of ingredients that you typically recommend. Obviously, there's going to be probably a wide variety that is entirely dependent on specific needs, but are there a few favorites that come to mind for you? Yes. So for typical, I would say for typical 
general scalp, like cleansing health, say as a pre-shampoo scalp treatment, say I'm saying no medical conditions, you have no dandruff, yeah. no psoriasis, no nothing, just general well-being. I love citrus-based. They're not mm. necessarily... They're not going to be moisturizing for the hair fiber. So I like because they don't give a, a lot of a, too much of an oiliness that people feel uncomfortable with. But they have such a great, they nourish the scalp as well as they protect the integrity of that microbiome and that skin barrier. So I do enjoy citrus-based oils for just normal health, healthy scalp, just wanting to be kind of preventative, get in your interventive hair regimen, trying to make those connections. And then fatty acids, fatty acids, shades, avocados. Those are great pre-hair fiber shampoo treatments. Every hair type and texture can use some version of that to protect when you want to give your hair like a really great, give your hair like a true ritual cleansing. They're, you you can make up, they're all great on the market. You can make them, but everyone pretty much knows the benefits of, of fatty acids. And they are great for curl, curlier, curly and drier hair textures as like just sealants to seal in their moisture after even even in addition to being a pre-shampoo treatment for the hair. So I would say those are, and I love the idea of hyaluronic acids on the scalp. Mm, I love hyaluronic acid as an really ingredient love, in general. I really do. So the next section I'm going to do is, is actually going to be about your routine and stuff. Obviously, we're going to talk about how you care for your own scalp, but I also want to know about how you care for yourself broadly. So why don't we start with, you know, how do you care for your well-being, whether that's, you know, nutrition, mental health, movement? Do you have well-being must-haves that you always fold into your schedule? Well, this is what a question. I have to, I'm just learning this well-being. I'm going to be honest, full disclosure, after I just tragically lost my husband on September 6th. No, but I'm glad that I get to see this because part of it is this level of like learning how to make grief work, a, a work yeah. thing for me. And we don't talk about it. So I'm learning, like, I'm so learning what my new well wellness being is. And it's exciting and scary because I'm needing things that I never even knew I needed. I didn't know. I'm like learning how to provide for myself. So I'm learning again. The essence of me is a regular, regular yogi practitioner. But my practice is different. Like everything is so different now. So I would say my only thing that I do consistently is give myself permission, which is really, really new. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's more mental. And so important. Yeah, I'm giving myself permission, which is new. So I'm learning what my newness is. Like I'm just starting new routines, right? I think now I like this thing in the morning. On um, Sunday mornings, I'm starting this. I love green markets. And I love like here in Florida, you get up like right when the sun is rising. I'm like walking the beach and being like, oh, maybe this is my new thing. You know, maybe I do love to like walk the ocean and go to a green market. So I'm open and I'm giving myself permission. That's where my real, that's how I'm tending to my well-being right now. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, oh, thank you. you know, I, I, I'm glad to hear you're giving yourself permission to, to, you know, try these things to take care of for yourself. You obviously deserve it. Thank you. Um, you know, to move on into the beauty routine, how do you take care of your scalp and your hair? But then also, you know, how do you take care of your skin as well? 
Awesome. So I, like I said before, I do manage central centrifugal secretricial alopecia, CCCA. So look, there are times I have not been good. I'm going to be honest. I have not been on my routine regularly. So when I have these bouts, when I don't stay like, uh, typically I'll do like a topical every three days. I don't shampoo my hair. I only shampoo my hair with a detergent-based shampoo when I color it, which is very rare. So my cleansing routine is very abnormal. I use oils and creams. I use oils to cleanse my scalp because my hair is dry and I like to retain my natural curl pattern. So for my hair texture, the majority of my scalp cleansing is oil-based and moisture-based. So I have a variety of oils that I, I really like to experiment. I'm always looking for an oil that I like as a cleanser. I do use a topical with some type of botanical-based active to increase my growing phase, the antigen phase, as I, especially when I'm stressed. But now I'm honestly like just treating myself with my own red light and my own micro needling in areas that I feel like I'm going to be triggering because I'm not doing what I need to do. What I do stay committed to are my supplements and my vitamin D. I believe those are game changers for me in managing the inflammation in my body. So I do supplement very heavy and I am an avid green juice drinker. That always makes me feel like I'm doing something good for myself. And in terms of my skincare, you know, I have to admit, I got turned on to Dr. Um, to Barbara Strom. I work with her oh, and I have been I like, just, are you kidding <laughs> Heaven. me? Heaven. What? <laughs> <laughs> so that is really making me smile a lot. It is, you know, and I'm not, and again, I'm just saying I am, I love it. It feels like I'm really feeling like it's helping me. I know how my body is going through so much, but it's making me like feel pretty, you know, when I take a shower. So yeah. I'm really enjoying and I am steaming. I, I am starting to kind of pull out some of my like I pulled out the Clarisonic. Again, I'm just pulling out things that I never made time for. Sure. I pulled out the steamer. So I'm trying to like give myself some like a really nice, lovely skin facial routine because just to really suck in the luxuriousness of this and the science of this. Um, Sure. Of, of Barbara's products. They're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Let them do all the glorious work yeah. that, <laughs> that they can. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, like I said, I learned so much. And I also just think this was a really beautiful conversation about scalp health. And, you know, hopefully people can walk away from this realizing that you can have beautiful conversations about your scalp. I'm I'm sure most people haven't had conversations about their scalp all that much. So, you know, maybe they can take this as a lesson that you can take those moments and, and get to know your own scalp and have those scalp connections. Yeah. And, and, you know, like the most important things, your scalp is an awareness to your beauty. And mm -hmm. I think it makes you, I love that because touch it, feel it when you have your caps on, just cessations. Connect to those sensations. It's the communicator to so much when you're stressed. It's just a beautiful relationship. And ultimately, that's going to lead to you having the hair that we all want to have, that you're the best hair that you can have. Put it that way. We all because we all what we we all want we don't have. But sure. The best that we can have is what your healthy scalp will do for you. I love that. What a great note to end this episode on. Thank you so, so much again. Thank you for having me, Alex. This was such a pleasure. And thanks for all your insightful questions. I really enjoyed 
the flow of this. This was oh, nice. Well, I did too. So thank you. Good. <laughs> Hey everyone, thank you so much for coming by and listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode and you like this podcast in general, don't forget to rate and review us and I will see you next week.